Welcome to American Dreams. My guest today is Carrie Oberrunner. Carrie, welcome to today's show. Thanks for having me, Alan. So, Carrie, it's great to have you here. You've done quite a bit throughout your life and uh, to get where you are today. But maybe for the listeners, can you take us to your, your time, time yeah. frame of uh, where you started out and how you got here? Sure, absolutely. So my, my burning passion in life is to ignite souls. And probably because I was not a soul on fire for many years, um, although I grew up in a great home out of Wisconsin, religious family, nonprofit parents, I uh, basically struggled with um, depression. And I was a high performer, but I kind of kept that anger uh, toward life inward and actually fell into an addiction at a young age of self-injury, even before it was a thing, you know, before the internet, any of that stuff. But it was just kind of like my private way of coping with life. And over, over the years, writing actually became an outlet for me. So even though I uh, had aspirations to go to the Air Force as a chaplain, but got rejected because of childhood asthma, I did move into the pastorate and became a, um, a preacher. But on the side, I began to write books and writing books really became my passion. And through that, I uh, just learned how to turn books into a movement. And as a result, um, I basically turned books into 18 streams of income. And my main point wasn't to, to gain income. It was really to spread the message. But those books became ways to you know teach, speak, coach, train. And after a few years, people began to take notice and say, wow, your, your, your style of publishing is different. Teach me. And Alan, I didn't know business and I didn't know that those were the magic words. I just kind of pushed these people away in the beginning and said, ah, you know, it's, I don't really have time to teach. But, but shortly after that, I, I left the pastorate and I started a publishing company. And now today I ignite souls through the written word and also most recently through the protection of that written word through blockchain technology. You know, Carrie, there's a big movement in, in, in this world today, but a lot of people wanting to put out a book, but sure. they don't know how. Yes. And uh, so I'd like, to, I'd like to walk through this process. So first of all, you use the word soul on fire. Yes. What does that mean? What yeah. is a soul on fire? I think a soul on fire knows three things. They know their identity, their purpose, and direction. And here's what I mean by that. I think we're created to really ask three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? And where those three circles converge, identity, purpose, and direction, I believe once we get clarity, we do become a soul on fire. And it does start, first of all, with identity. We kind of start out saying, hey, what's my, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Who am I? And once we get clear on that, a lot of times um, we find out we're in the wrong job, Alan. And so that's where you see a lot of people shift. Once they get clarity, they say, wow, I'm in the wrong job. And they begin to do their passion full time. But it was Ferdinand Foch who said that the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. And it was St. Irenaeus who said that the glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. So I believe that the world needs more souls on fire. And I did that uh, with my first few books over here. Uh, Your Secret Name deals with identity, 
the deeper path deals with purpose and day job to dream job deals with direction. But once I started writing those books, then I began to look around and say, wow, you know, my job's to now, as our mentor, Dan Sullivan says, my job is to be a hero for people who need to get their books out in the world. So I still write books. My most recent one comes out in three weeks, but, but I do love helping other people get their messages out. And that's how I think today I'm igniting souls is through authors. You know, Carrie, I, I, you're very inspiring, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to how you're helping uh, tap into other people's interests and what their passions are. And uh, it's a very unique gift that you Mm -hmm. have. Um, You know, when I, when I think about, I just recently released a book and uh, and it's not just good, by the way, I, I, I messaged you and I said, by the way, I got to compliment you. You, you seriously, you like a lot of people do it wrong. The way that you laid out the book, the title, the subtitle, the marketing. I just want to encourage anyone who's listening to this, like check out his book because he he did it well. But keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, you. it it and it was a story that uh, that I lived. Uh, mm. You know the 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 thing about having done these interviews with with American Dreams. I've done over two thousand of these, twenty seven oh million God. downloads and. Oh. And, uh, wow. and, and, you know, I think we're up to 57,000, the community and growing, Gee. but, but really purpose is what mm. I find. And a lot of people come and they say, you know, what is my purpose? And I love the way you laid out, you know, why yes. am I here? Where did I come yes. from? Why am I here? Where Absolutely. am I going? So I think that, you know, people love images. I just got to show this one image because it just helps mm-hmm. so much. Um, basically. It's that image where if you look here, it's it's really the who am I identity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why am I here, mm-hmm. the purpose, and then where am I going direction. And where those three circles converge, there's a little flame, and that's a soul on fire. And so that really was the framework that, you know, was my first three books. Absolutely beautiful. Carrie, I want to move into a different topic. Sure. Okay. What is blockchain life and yes. Web 3.0? And why, yes. why should we care? This is all over yes. the, the web right now. And uh, you know, give, give us a perspective. Yeah. I'll tell you what, a lot of people struggle defining Web 3. I just want to define it super easy. So we are in the third version of the internet. We're about to move into it. Web 1, this is the motto. Web 1 was they create they own. So let me explain that. That's like a Domino's pizza that creates a website and they own it. Okay. Web two was we create, they own. So what that means is that we're the ones who created the YouTube videos, the Facebook posts, the Twitter tweets. We're the ones who did all of the content creation, but they, meaning the platform owned it. Web three is a we create, we own. So it's a true shift for the creator that's out there. Now, I can go much deeper and I can say, look, in Web three, what's very exciting is that let's take C.S. Lewis for a moment. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this book. He sold that book in the 1950s. If that book gets resold, he will never get secondary royalties. Okay, so think about that for a moment. All all authors, all creators, 
struggle getting secondary royalties because there was no blockchain tied to it. The moment you can create products and services in Web3, you now wrap it with a smart contract. And every time it gets resold again and again and again, the original creator will get automatic royalties sent directly to their digital wallet. That's just one expression of a Web3. Another expression, Alan, is when there was a um, there was a compromise in Chipotle's Chipotle's food many years ago, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, there's a food compromise, and people are getting sick." It took them like seven months to figure out that it was an Australian beef farm, and it cost millions of dollars worth of lost re revenue and customers and people being laid off. Why? Because they had not put their food sourcing on the blockchain. If their food sourcing would have been on the blockchain, there would have been accountability at each point that the vendors went down the line. And so instead of taking seven months, it literally could have taken seven seconds to find the compromise. This is the use cases for blockchain. So, you know, people think of blockchain equals crypto. It really doesn't. Crypto runs on the rails of blockchain, but so does uh, medical files. I mean, today I have to go through all kinds of red tape and friction to get this doctor to be able to see this hospital report because of all the friction. We're now moving into a Web3 society that basically creates a digital wallet that follows you on your browser, which is very secure, like a MetaMask wallet, where not only are my medical files in there, someday my vehicle VIN number is going to be there, my mortgage, even the place that you went to school, Alan. Right now, when you go on LinkedIn, you, you, you guess somebody went to Harvard. You guess somebody went to NYC. You click a button, you have no clue. LinkedIn is now putting in there blockchain verified credentials from the school. So when you click somebody that you don't know on LinkedIn, it literally brings up their um, diploma and it says blockchain verified and you can see that Harvard wallet issued it. So it's going to change so many things, um, it, you know, not just crypto. Let's move into the protecting IP. Yes. Um, why are you so yes. passionate about that? Oh my gosh, am I passionate about it? Um, I'll tell you why I'm passionate about it because IP, intellectual property, uh, represents 90% of the S&P 500. So back in 1975, I was born in 76, but in 75, 17% of all S&P 500 assets were intangible, meaning that, that those were the patents, the trademarks, the branding, 83% was the brick and mortar. It was the buildings. It was the cash. We've moved from a 17% to a 90% in 2020. The point is this. Most people's businesses and brands, the value is actually uh, manifested through IP. So now protecting that IP becomes one of the most important things. So here's an author. Lee Benson, one of our authors, we got him on Wall Street USA Today. He's a fantastic guy. 
this barcode right now, you scan that, that leads to his smart contract. And why does that lead to a smart contract? Because you cannot change blockchain. Blockchain is an immutable, meaning unchanging, decentralized verification of proof. Someone can hack Chase Bank. Someone can hack Hilton. It's one, it's one centralized computer, essentially, database. But once you get into blockchain, it's literally verified and, and distributed all over the world. So when we can put on the back of Lee's book, the fact that when any phone scans this, it goes directly to the blockchain and says Lee Benson on June 5th, 2022 at 5.47 p.m. minted this IP. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes like, whoa, <laughs> he was, and all IPs built on first to file. I mean, that's why I can't say I came up with the McDonald Arches because I wasn't even around. Why? Because it's all based on time. And so blockchain is literally a time stamping of transactions. And so the fact that our company now has developed a patent pending technology that verifies people IP through blockchain and, and, and smart contracts, it's so exciting. And you know, our friend Keegan Caldwell, he's actually the lawyer that I hired to secure that patent. So I still believe, Alan, that patents have their place. If you're going to sell your company or if you need to borrow up to half of the valuation of your patent portfolio. But for all these people that are authors, they can't afford $15,000 a patent and three years of time. And so our company, Blockchain Life, I have two companies, Igniting Souls and Blockchain Life. They're, they work together. But Blockchain Life has now a, a, a technology that protects people's IP in 24 hours for $100 through that new proprietary uh, technology. Carrie, who do you want to be a hero to? Oh, that's so good. I want to be a hero to uh, influencers that are a core value match. And our core values, um, it spells the word GPS, growth-minded grit, positive optimism, show up filled up, and servant leadership. And so our company runs on EOS, uh, um, Entrepreneur Operating System. We met through Dan Sullivan, Strategic Coach. But any company that fits those four core values and, and is a match, because we want them to feel comfortable with us, if they match those four core values, we want to get their message out in the biggest way possible. And so some people hire us just for writing, some people just for publishing, some people for marketing, and then some people for that IP protection. But either way, however we can, you know, we have pastors that we publish. We have uh, a mom whose son was shot in a hunting accident. So she wrote a book called After the Flowers Die because she wants to help other parents who are grieving the loss of a child death, you know? And so all these stories are amazing and I just love getting them out there in a big way. Carrie, you're very, very inspirational. And, mm -hmm. um, but let, let's walk through the process. So Carrie, you've sold me. I love what you're, everything you've told me about what's my next step with you. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. We have 18 streams of income. Okay. So I'll just share a few of these things. 
one of the things, for example, like here's one of my books, Show Up, Filled Up, right? Um, so it's based on one of my core values. But most authors, Alan, they're like, cool, I got the book, it's done. And they think that their book is a business card. When I hear those words, I cringe. I just cringe because I'm like, look, business cards don't change lives. In fact, I wrote a book called Your Book Is Not a Business Card. I look, that. okay, why? Because books change lives. Business cards change landfills. I hate it when people just say, hey, here's my book. It's a business card. What do people do with business cards? They throw them in the trash. I know books that have changed my life. I can literally say traction changed my life. You know, I can say entrepreneur roller coaster changed my life. My life is made up of the books that I've read. Even, even the Holy Bible here, one of my favorite books. I'm different because of books. And so what I tell people is like, look, your book needs to go off the pages. And what does that mean? That means your book could be a mastermind. Get this. You ready for this? I took the people who read this book to Shawshank Prison. I'm not even kidding. So why? Because your day job is your jail. Your dream job is your Zewataneho. So Shawshank Zewataneho, what did I do? I took, I've probably taken 200 people now over the last few years to Shawshank Prison, and we come up with their dream job plan to escape their day job. You see what I'm saying? The book became an experience, and people started nonprofits there. A guy named uh, Rusty started a, uh, uh, a nonprofit for people who've been incarcerated that try to get out and then you know, reacclimate to life and they're often not accepted and understandably so. So again, as a, I call myself a Sherpa. Okay. Everyone who writes books writes it either one of three ways. They write it as a sage. Here's our buddy Bono. So Bono's book is a sage. You can write your book as a Sherpa or you can write your book as a struggler. So again, this is good advice for your listeners because some people might be like, I'm not Oprah, I'm not Bono, I'm not Tony Robbins, that's okay. They're writing their book as a sage, that's okay. I write my book as a Sherpa, which says, hey, I, I was stuck and I found a solution and I'm gonna walk with you up the mountain and help you. And then there's other books that come off as strugglers, which are just basically saying, look, I don't know the answers, but I'm willing to have the courage to say there's a problem. Either either three can be successful. When you look at the world today and uh, the community that you serve, what would you say is the number one struggle that people have? Self-belief. There's a great quote that says, um, I give you the gift of these four words, I believe in you. Back when I was suicidal and a cutter, at the age of 17, I was devoid of belief. I thought I was horrible. A lot of people walking around today think they have nothing to offer. And I had a gentleman come into my life, a stranger named Carl, who heard about me from my mom and uh, said, listen, God cannot afford to have you discouraged. I believe in you. And God told me to send you this card in 500 bucks because my bike had been stolen. I got jumped in an alley at the age of 17. Anyway, 
Carl's belief, I borrowed his belief. I didn't have any of my own. I borrowed his belief. And I think that's what the world needs. The world needs someone who says, you know what? I believe in you. I might not know you, but I believe in you. And some people say, well, how can you believe in someone you know? How can you hate someone you don't know? I saw that meme recently. People hate people all the time. They don't know. If you can hate someone you don't know, you can believe in someone you don't know. And Carl believed in me and I am a, a changed life because of that. So that's what I think the world needs. And that's who I present myself to as a coach. I look for people who are humble and they have something special, but they don't have the belief nor skills to get to the next level. And that's where I come in and help them. Arrogant people are unteachable. I don't, I don't have time for them. So yeah, that's kind of my story. Absolutely beautiful. Hey, I yeah. guess you need to be meek in order to progress, right? I listen, you, you got to be teachable, you know, and, and yeah. I'm not always teachable, but you know, God and my wife have a way of uh, helping me become teachable and it, it's, it's helped me a ton. So. Now, Kerry, how, how do people find you? They, they, you know, yeah. to, to, with the coaching and the sure, show. Sure. So if people are interested in, in publishing, just go to ignitingsouls.com, ignitingsouls.com um, slash apply. And we can have a conversation, you know, no, no, nothing more than conversation. Are we a fit? Are you a fit? But I have, um, man, I've been out, I've been, I'm bald for a reason. Okay. Um, I have written, uh, uh, books for 20 years. I have, I don't know. I think I have 12 books out. Um, of course we have the blockchain thing that's blowing up. Uh, it's a podcast, Lee Richter, your friend and I, we just co- wrote a book called blockchain life. So just reach out, let me know what you need. And, and I'd love to help. I'm on, you know, all the social media and uh, more than anything, let me end with this, Alan. It's a great quote. Um, it, it changed my life. It's how I like to end most things, but um, Carl Jung, a Swiss psychologist, he did, he did research and he looked and he tried to find out what's the most damaging thing in the life of a child. Okay, so I thought it was alcoholism, abuse, abandonment. He looked in all of his research and he said, it's the unlived life of the parent. And I was like, wow, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, but it makes sense. It's the parent who comes home and kicks the proverbial dog and says, don't bother me, kids. Let me veg out, veg short for vegetable. Let me be brain dead so that I can go back tomorrow and do the same thing over again. That's the most damaging thing in the life of a child. Because they look at mom and dad and they say, if they don't have success, if they can't, if they haven't figured this thing out, how can I? So I think the opposite is true. What's the most empowering thing for the life of a child? A parent who who's a soul on fire. And that's why, that's, that, that's when, when I die, I want said of me, Besides well done, good and faithful servant, I want it to be said like carry ignited souls.